Hi, this is Chelsea Vale. You have found the Whole Heart Podcast, a podcast for conscious parents who want to do things differently. Parenting the Whole Heart way is about love, connection, play, and raising our children naturally. It can get, at times, a little bit crunchy. Let's jump in. I imagine you saw the title of this episode, Let Kids Get Hurt, and you either scrolled right past it or it caught your attention. Hopefully it caught your attention because this is probably one of the more valuable um, episodes or topics that I can dive into because we're in a society that tends to try to protect children. We've taught our parents and our teachers and our caregivers that their job is to protect children at all costs. And of course, protecting them physically is is very important and, and raising healthy, happy children is the goal. But there's a difference between injury and getting hurt. There's also a difference in being cold and being at risk for sickness. There's a difference in hunger and starvation. And we can use some of these discomforts and, um, you know, problems and struggles in childhood to actually raise more responsible, healthier, happier, more well-adjusted children. There is a lot of value in letting kids get hurt. So before I jump into this, I want to introduce you to a Japanese art form that is, uh, in my opinion, the best metaphor for, um, you know, living our lives and allowing hurt and discomfort to shape us. So it's called kintsugi. That's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I, kintsugi. And basically what it is, is a Japanese um, art of filling ceramics and pottery Uh, plates, dishes, and things like that with gold whenever they break. So imagine a beautiful teacup, um, a Japanese teacup that's fallen and, and broken. Rather than throw the piece away or replace it, they fill it with a little bit of gold. And what they believe is that the piece of art becomes more beautiful with each crack and it becomes part of the piece's story and history. And when you see this beautiful kintsugi, um, it is more beautiful because it's got these nice little lines of, of gold throughout, you know, the piece. And you can also look at it and go, wow, it's been through a lot. It's met a lot of people. It's traveled different places. There's a history to it and a, a beautiful piece. And not only is it more beautiful to look at because of the gold, but it's also stronger. And in life, if we throw things out or we try to prevent the breaks and falls, we're actually preventing a lot of the strength and beauty from coming into play as well. And that's how it is with our with our young children. We want to fill the cracks with gold and look at opportunities um, or look at failure and disappointment and struggles as opportunities for learning and strength and growth. And if we can embrace those um, pitfalls and setbacks and things in childhood as opportunities for you know us as parents to um, create stronger, more well-adjusted children. It actually decreases our stress level as a parent because it is very stressful to try to um, maintain you know perfection in our household and do everything correctly and um, protect our child from you know every discomfort. That's very stressful. But instead, just being one with our children and being one with the universe and one with you know each other and just embracing this interconnectedness of parents child relationship and, um, you know, this holistic view of, um, of, of life as a whole. And, um, it, it decreases our stress level and allows us to step back a little bit and recognize that every little thing that happens has a purpose and that the universe really is behind us in, 
helping us to um, develop relationships with our children, also help our children to become the best little humans that they can be. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to introduce what I like to call rules of thumb. And these are sort of guidelines, mantras, or quotes, if you will, to guide um, you know, your, your interactions with your children. So um, on the topic of letting kids get hurt, one thing is to remember that failure is essential to experiencing mastery. That's the first rule of thumb. Failure is essential to experiencing mastery. Imagine if your child, every time they went to the playground or every time they went to the park, you helped them climb to the top of the slide. Or imagine if um, you know they were coloring and you stepped in and showed them how to color in all of the lines. Or with an art project, you showed them exactly you know the the type of model um, that they're supposed to create with you know their their project. By doing that, you're not allowing them to experience the setback and the pitfalls, which means that they won't really know what it's like to have achieved. If you pick your child up and you put them on the top of the slide rather than letting them climb up the ladder, then you prevented them from the um, feeling of mastery when they struggled and pushed past the difficult parts of it and got to the top themselves. It's hard, especially when your children are so young and aren't able to get to the top all by themselves. But by doing a little bit of scaffolding and hand over hand, sort of modeling and coaching and encouraging them to get through it, then when they finally do achieve it on their own, you get that big eyed smile. I did it. And that's what we want. We want our children to know that success is not achieved without failure. There are going to be struggles. We don't want to rob them of the opportunity to fall. Um, The next rule of thumb is if a kid can do it, a kid should do it. And that goes along with things, um, you know, tying shoes, getting dressed, um, putting laundry away and things like that. I struggle with, with this. I intervene way too much, especially when it's, um, having to do with, you know, getting out, you know, the door to get on work to school on time. But sometimes I'll take a step back and say, this is something you can do. This is a time where you're going to show me what you're capable of. Because if a kid can do it, a kid should do it. They should be setting the table, um, packing their lunches and their backpacks, taking their shoes on and off, putting their coats on or hanging them up on the wall. Um, Art should be very child-led, very um, child-directed. Those are all things that kids can do. And if a kid can do it, a kid should do it. Because even though... There might be a little bit of a setback or a little bit of a struggle. There is value in letting them experience the struggle and experience a little bit of failure. Um, Spilling something is okay. Um, Leaving the lid off of a marker is okay. Spilling all of the the crayons and they break, that's all okay because there is a lesson in the crayons broke. There's a lesson in I spilled the water and then I slipped. Um, I accidentally dumped the flower and now I've got to, you know, remeasure it. I left the marker off the lid and now the marker's dry. Um, I left my bike out in the rain and, and now it's wet and rusty. That is where the value is. And that is, we want our children to experience those struggles. If a kid can do it, a kid should do it, even if we know they will fail. We're not trying to protect them from failure. We are embracing failure as the lesson, right? That's going to be the break that we want to fill with gold later. So embrace these struggles. Look forward to failure. In fact, in some instances, set your child up for failure and look at this as, oh good, I'm excited about this. This is going to be an opportunity to teach them and guide them and love them and seal things in with empathy. And we'll get more into that. 
I want you to remember this next rule of thumb. A parent who always remembers has a child who always forgets. I touched on this in the last episode that if we are always correcting our child, worrying for our child, remembering their homework and their lunch and their, um, you know, project or whatever it is, we will always have a child who will forget because why would they be thinking about something? Why would they remember that they left a toy at the restaurant? You're doing it for them. You're doing all of the thinking. You're robbing them of the opportunity to experience what it's like to have lost a toy or what it's like to forget your coat, what it's like to forget your lunch. All of those discomforts are what's going to seal in the intrinsic motivation to think for yourself to be independent and to practice self-control so that rule of thumb a parent who always remembers has a child who always forgets the next rule of thumb is it may not be what you do but what you do after what you have done in other words when you make a mistake as a parent or when you rob your child of an opportunity to learn something it's not really that that matters as much as being able to go to them and humble yourself and say i messed up I put your shoes on and that's something you can do yourself. I shouldn't have done that. You're big. You can do this. That has value as well. Like I said before, I am very guilty of intervening, especially when we're rushing out the door. My mornings, I don't do hardly any of this. But throughout the day, I'll say, I did things for you this morning that you can do. So now that we're home, show me you can put your shoes in the shoe bin. I packed your backpack for you this morning and I shouldn't have done that. That's something you can do. And what this does is it creates maybe the next morning I go to put the shoes on and they correct me. Mom, that's something I can do myself. You're right. You can. And eventually if this you know pattern continues, I'm not even telling them anymore that it's time to put on their shoes. They're just doing it because they don't want me to do it for them because they love doing it themselves. Kids love to show you what they can do. They love to show you that they are independent. Just like when you lose your temper, it may not be what you do, but what you do after what you have done. If you can go to your child and say, I was so angry. I used my angry voice. I was flustered and I was stressed. Have you ever been flustered? Have you ever felt something was just not right and used an angry voice? Or have you ever um, yelled at a friend when you should have just said, hey friend, I was using that toy first or something like that? Or have you ever used tears when you should have used your words? Those are all valuable learning opportunities for your child. When you can humble yourself enough to admit Um, And also show your own feelings, express your feelings and correct your own behaviors. That shows introspection, reflection, and growth. And you are modeling those skills for your child. My kids sometimes will get really upset or really angry and I don't say anything at all. They will come to me later and say, mom, I'm sorry. I used angry voice. I was so mad. I was so mad you put me in my car seat. I can do that. And I'll say, thank you for recognizing that. I noticed You didn't like when I did that for you, and I'm sorry that I did that for you. Next time, I'll try to do better. And we've got this um, dialogue between us where we're expressing our feelings, we're reflecting on our own decisions, and we're agreeing to make a different choice the next time. Rule of thumb, imperfection is the perfect design. I have friends that try so hard to be the perfect parent. They've got all these goals for themselves. I'm going to do a perfect birthday party and I'm going to have all the clothes ready on time and I'm going to have the beds made and I'm going to, you know, do the laundry every Friday and I'm going to hand make all of their toys and I'm going to do these really amazing lunches that are cut out in different shapes and color coded for the holidays and all this kind of stuff. That is setting your child up for so much inhibition and insecurity. Imperfection 
is the perfect design. The imperfect parent has a more well-adjusted child. When we set ourselves up to be these superhero parents, then when they do see flaws, it is heartbreaking and confusing and shocking. We're also not letting them know that it's okay for them to be imperfect. And we're creating children who think, I didn't do it perfect. I colored outside the lines. I dropped something and it broke. And, and, and they are stressed and anxious because they can't achieve that perfection. Because one, they're not meant to. We don't want that for our children. But two, it's not developmentally appropriate. It's okay that you're two and you broke a glass or broke their crayons. It's okay that you spilled on yourself. I spill on myself. When we show our children that I fall, I break things, I eat sloppy, I make weird noises sometimes when I'm laughing, or I hiccup and it accidentally burps, or when I sneeze, snot comes out of my nose, we have to be okay with our human flaws and human error and let our children know I made a mistake, I did something silly, I did something embarrassing. That is what creates well-adjusted children who can recognize human flaw and be okay with being human. And then what happens as they get older is they come to you and are okay saying, I drank too much at a party and I got sick. I accidentally took a drug that I didn't know what it was going to do to me. I yelled at a friend. I dated someone that was bad for me. Those more um, adult type of things that come up later in adolescence and teenhood, they're okay coming to you about because you've let them know I'm human. I make mistakes. When they're young, that is really important because it opens up the parent-child communication and dialogue about imperfections, messing up, and being okay, recognizing errors and correcting errors. And I accept you regardless. I accepted you at two when you smeared your poop all over the wall or when you, you know, peed in the bathtub. Um, when you vomited all over me on the airplane, I accepted you and I loved you just like when you forgot your homework in fifth grade or you, you know, had stage fright and embarrassed the whole, you know, fifth grade during the play. I accepted you and I loved you just like now when you're 16 and you're pregnant and you're single. I love you. I accept you. And this is something that we will get through. And I know that sounds really heavy, but it starts very early on for your children to know that you are who you are. I accept your human flaws. I accept my own human flaws. And I know that my imperfection is the perfect design for you, just like your imperfection is the perfect design for me. Remember, imperfection is the perfect design. Try not to own your children's problems. That's the the other rule of thumb. Sometimes when we rescue our child for something, like let's say your child forgets a science project and you bring it up to the school. That is you owning the problem. That is you saying that it is your responsibility to bring the science project. If you, um, if your child comes to you and they say, mom, I got really angry with the girl at school and now all of the girls won't talk to me or anything. If you tell them, oh, well, why don't you try to sit down with them at recess? Or why don't you bake cookies for them and, you know, make them feel more special or whatever. That is you owning your children's problem. What happens with that, let's say that is your idea. Let's make gifts for these girls and we're going to bake cookies and we're going to bring them to school and everything's going to be okay and they'll be your friends again. And the child is so excited about this and they bring in the cookies to school and they try to give them to the girls and the girls say, we're not your friend and they pick them up and they throw them in the trash and they're angry and then your child goes and cries at their desk. 
guess who they're mad at? They're not mad at themselves. They're not recognizing that they made an error in judgment. They're now mad at you, mom. Or let's say it does go well and the girls say, oh, wow, thank you for my cookies. Now we can all be friends. Well, then the child doesn't feel that they did anything to earn that friendship. Now they think, well, good thing my mom had that great idea. Now we're friends, but there's no mastery experienced. When we rescue our child from solving a problem themselves, um, or we rescue them from discomfort and disappointment and having to think through how to solve a problem, that is us owning the problem. And whether it goes good or bad, we're the ones who experience the mastery or the setback. We are robbing our child of the opportunity to learn from that. So try not to solve your children's problems. Even when you know they're trying to open a cabinet and for whatever reason, they just can't seem to get this cabinet open. If it's not developmentally appropriate for them to struggle, then of course, intervene and say, look, it looks like if I push this little lever down, the cabinet will open. Or this is a very heavy cabinet. So if you change the way you're standing and you use all your muscles and you pull, here's how it opens. Those are ways that we can help children who it's not developmentally appropriate to let them struggle. But if they're a little bit older and maybe they're not trying hard enough or their hands are wet or something like that, we don't want to step in and intervene. We want to let them figure out, wow, this is hard to open because my hands are wet. I'm going to go dry off my hands and come back and open it. That is really hard to do is to set back and let your children struggle with something, but we don't want to rob them of the learning opportunity because the next time when their hands are wet, they'll think, hmm, I should go dry my hands before I try to open this, right? Um, breaking things, dropping things, spilling things, all of that, there is value in that lesson. And we don't want to own the problem by stepping in and intervening. We want to allow our children to struggle and to mess up. And that is one of the hardest things to do, especially you know with young, young, young children, but there's value in all of that. Natural consequences are the teacher. So when the child does drop something or the markers dry out, I'm, I'm using the similar examples so that you can see the, the pattern here. That is the consequence. That's the teacher. You don't need to go to your child and what I call piggybacking by, um, well, you left the markers out all night long. You didn't put the lids on and now they're all dry. And now you can't use the markers. If I, you know, if you would have put the lid on just like I told you to do, then you would still have your markers this morning. That's piggybacking. And now the child is mad at you because you're angry at them and you've damaged the relationship a little bit. Instead, by stealing in empathy, oh no, the markers are dry. Oh, I guess the lids were left off. Oh man, I hate when I do stuff like that. Well, I don't know what we'll get, we're going to do. I guess there's crayons or paint or something and the child cries. I wanted my markers. I wanted to use my markers. And there's value in using empathy. <gasps> I know. Oh, yes, this is so hard. And just picking them up, loving them, being there for them as they start to get into their heads. Oh, my gosh, I left the lids off. And then the next time they're at the table, they're coloring what do they do? Mom, 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 I got to get the lids on the markers. I got to get the lids on the markers. You're right. If you get the lids on the markers, they won't dry out. Good thinking. That's where the value is. We want our children to think for themselves. Remember, if a kid can do it, a kid should do it. A child who always remembers has a child who always forgets. Do you see the pattern here? They all go together. We want to step back and allow our children to struggle, allow them to fail so that later they are thinking for themselves, remembering for themselves. They are developing self-control and their own initiative to do things the correct way. That intrinsic motivator 
only comes when we allow them to experience the failure. And the empathy is what seals in the lesson and also maintains the parent-child relationship. That's where the lesson is in all of this. And it is so hard to do and I do it so much I intervene. But remember, by letting your child know, I shouldn't have intervened. You're capable of doing this. So those are some ways to return the responsibility. I'll give you a couple of sentence, uh, sentence stems here. This is something you can do. That's a great way to give the responsibility back to the child. Empathy is always really great. Wow, you're struggling right now. This is hard for you. Um, mm, I bet you are cold. I always feel cold when I forget my jacket. Gosh, I bet you are hungry. I get hungry when I forget to get my snack out of the snack bin. Or, oh, you chose to color instead of getting snack. Oh, I bet that was rough on your tummy today. Empathy is what seals that in without lecturing, anger, threats, ultimatums. Those are all negative things and also extrinsic motivators. The intrinsic motivators are allowing the child to experience the failure, setback, hunger, cold, sickness. That is what motivates them to make a different decision next time. And those are things that as parents we can get really excited about. Oh good, they wanna walk outside without their shoes on. This way, they'll ask me, mom, can I put my shoes on? Oh, good. It's a cold day and they don't want to get their jacket. This is going to be an excellent day for them to learn about warmth and preparation. Oh, good. They forgot their lunch. This is fantastic. They'll have to have crackers at school from the teacher. Oh, good. They forgot their science project. They'll get a decreased grade. They'll get an 80 today instead of 100. And they worked really hard on that. This is going to be a great learning opportunity. When we can shift the way that we look at failure, setbacks, disappointment, all of that, it helps us to feel confident as parents that what we're doing is fantastic when we are incredibly imperfect. And it helps our children to become well-adjusted and accept their own disappointments and failures and develop self-control and become the most well-adjusted, happy, healthy kids that they can be. And that is where the value is as parents. So I challenge you, don't rescue your children. Don't do the thinking for them. Don't protect them from getting hurt. And I don't mean injury, okay? I just mean getting hurt or experiencing something that's tough, that is where the value is. And the best parents say no and allow their children to struggle. Imperfection is the perfect design. Be well. Thank you so much for tuning in. The next time we chat, we'll be talking about vaccines. From the very beginning of the child's life, you will be asked by doctors and nurses and teachers and childcare workers and even other friends and family about vaccines. There's a lot of information out um, about vaccines in the media and on the news, but unfortunately, we're not getting all of the most um, recent research and the most honest information. So I will be sharing some information with you um, that helped me make my decision regarding vaccines. Also some myths and facts, and I will be interviewing a couple of other parents um, here on the podcast, as well as a nurse um, who has decided not to vaccinate 
all seven um, of her children. So we'll be diving into that very hot topic. If you have not already subscribed, please go to wherever it is that you get your podcast and subscribe to the Whole Heart Crunchy Parenting Podcast. Um, I hope that you will continue to follow us and learn together in um, this whole heart journey of ours. And uh, I know it can get a little bit crunchy at times, at times, but I'd like to hear from you what you like, what you don't like, what you need, and please um, send me an email and ask me some questions. I'm happy to answer things um, here on the podcast or even take a call with you and perhaps we can dive into some topics that you're interested in together. Thank you and be well.